The Fantasy Focus Football Podcast is presented by GEICO. Whether you rent or own, GEICO makes it easy to bundle home and auto insurance. Go to GEICO.com today. Fantasy, you're in the 06010. Fantasy, Fantasy Focus. Fantasy Focus. Fantasy Focus Football Podcast on a Friday. Field Yates, Matthew Berry, and we are full strength because the star of the show, Starfania Bell, is back. It's good to have you back. Thank Should you, you got Field. a lot more charming and beautiful it's and thoughtful. lovely to be secret back. squirrel do me a favor can you can you um get my publicist on the phone and just um get uh my publicist in charge and in touch with field sure well just you know field just mentioned that star star Fania was the star of the show yeah she just, did say i just it, feel yeah. like there's just some messaging yeah you know conversations that need to go on yeah for sure just after the show we can have that conversation fine. yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, you, thank you, you so much you don't want to tell no, the no, truth no it's great no 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 it was just between me and secret squirrel what i'm sorry okay. hi Hi, it's good to see you. Why, thank you, Matthew. Oh, I know sure. you've missed me terribly. We 100%. Have. have you been gone? <laughs> Where have you been? A warm well, welcome right. back to you Mid-season from Matthew Berry. Already. It's great to have Stefania thank back. You, a note as we get into this podcast. A lot of stuff happened last night. 11 games, and I'll be honest, I was one of the first people to take the bait and sometimes overreact on Twitter. You know why? Because it's fun. Not all of it was because serious. That's what you do. It's fun. It's fun. It's goofy. Sometimes people get around. Like I like riling up the fans sometimes with sure. overreactions because it's it's a litmus test. Like which one of your followers don't understand sarcasm? So, anyways, a lot of stuff happened last night. You're like you're like one of those. You're like a polite troll. Right. Is what you are. You're well, like on occasion. You're like no. You like, know what he is? He's I, a really smart troll. So I think sometimes people don't realize get that he's trolling. That he's trolling. Them. Yeah. Believe me, I understand that he's trolling me with pretty much every tweet. Stefania, <laughs> like, I, I wish I had a better, re- you and I will get this reference, Field won't, but whatever. You know what it feels like on Twitter? He's like Eddie Haskell. You're, oh, you're like, yeah, yeah. Right? I'm trying to think of a, a more recent reference, like, and I can't come I, up with one off the top of my head. The one from the 1960s didn't resonate with most of the audience. <laughs> right? Is that what you're trying like, to tell me? Like but Eddie Haskell, so whatever. There was an old, old timey sitcom called Leave It to Beaver, and Eddie yep. Haskell was a character on it where basically Eddie Haskell, to the parents of the beaver, was completely nice and polite and like the best kid ever. But you said to the parents of the beaver? Is to that the beaver. The was his beaver. name. His not name was beaver. beaver. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know if it was an actual beaver. Uh, no, it was not some weird <laughs> it was like animated thing. Not like no, a squirrel. No. He was not this like was a, not, yeah. yeah. Don't be jealous, squirrel. I'm just <laughs> no. saying, you called him the beaver, so I thought it could actually be a pet. The name of the show was Leave It to Beaver, and the kid's uh. name was nickname was Beaver. But the point is, is that, uh, anyway, Eddie Haskell was like the, the one that always got the beaver and his older brother into trouble. But he was super nice. And so that's you, Field. That's like you. You're like, you're like super nice and polite and, you know, Johnny Appleseed. And then all of a sudden on Twitter, you're just like this big troll. Sometimes I shake the trees. I can't help it. Anyways, the reason why I was saying that is that there was a lot of stuff that happened. We're going to, it's week one of the preseason. If some of this stuff persists, Daniel Jones looked good. Jacoby Myers might be a keeper in New My number three wide receiver. Right. (laughs) Right. He has, you know, Kalen Balaj got in the end zone. Hey, yo. If some of this stuff persists week over week, we are going to get into it in yeah. much more detail yeah. and talk about the actionable side of fantasy football. But for now, it's time to get into the show. Fantasy news from the National Football League. This is the instant replay. The people want more Stefania Bell, so let's give them what they want. Stefania, you have been all over the map over the past like eight days, I believe it is, since we left Detroit. You have been to a bunch of camps. You are going to empty out your notebook right now, so we allow, allow you to have the floor. And we begin in Carolina with some information 
about Cameron Newton. Yes, Cam Newton. Well, wouldn't wouldn't you know that the day I showed up, they took a veteran rest day, so he was not throwing that day. <laughs> they were protecting him from you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They've got they've wised up in Carolina, but I had a chance to uh, watch him working out on the sidelines with Ryan Vermillion. He did speak with the the media for the first time uh, since training camp had opened. And, you know, I think in general, they're just working up his workload to get him ready for four quarters of football by the time the season starts. I did have a chance to talk with Ryan Vermillion, the head athletic trainer for the Panthers. And he said, you know, an important distinction for people to understand is Cam had a cleanup surgery of the joint in his shoulder. The rotator cuff, when they got in there, looked great. And remember, that's what the original surgery was a couple of years ago. And that's a big deal because the rotator cuff is what drives your ability to throw. By them going in and cleaning up some of the debris, essentially think of it from wear and tear, it has opened up his range of motion. So when people talk about his mechanics improving, it's because last year he couldn't get his arm over the top to deliver a throw. He had to sidearm it. He had to use his back. Now that's taken away. He has zero pain. And so they fully expect him to be ready. I think the hope is, look, they know they're not going to change Cam the runner. That's he is going to run the ball, but they want him to make smarter decisions. If it's not a place where you're going to make a first down, then slide or get out of bounds, because a lot of the damage that wear and tear to the shoulder didn't come from necessarily throwing. It comes from Cam diving with the outstretched arm and landing wrong on the shoulder or taking all the hits. So I think uh, that's sort of the plan. Lions got a roar. Stefania. Exactly, and I think they understand that when they tried to take away the run, that wasn't going to be effective for him. But they feel very good about where he is. And I actually, watching him, just watching his demeanor, talking to a couple of the players about how he looked, I thought uh, that that they are in a good spot for him to have a bounce back here. And one of the players I talked to, just a quick one to mention, was Greg Olson, who has been with Cam as long as anyone, and said, yeah, you know, the ball's coming out of his hands tight. Uh, it, it, it just feels like a good comfortable throw from him he doesn't really notice any difference and he thinks he's in good shape to start the year don't you feel like we hear this every year every year we go the into the cam preseason looks better oh, not not the cam looks better but everybody's gonna better? be cam's gonna be smarter about his running he's taken a lot of hits he wants to protect himself i feel like we hear this every single year and it feels like maybe last year a little bit you know that lesson was taken career lows last year in both red zone rushing attempts and rushing touchdowns chris mccaffrey obviously was a phenomenon, but I don't know. I mean, which is great for his long-term health. It's great for the Carolina Panthers, but certainly doesn't give you confidence in terms of him as a fantasy quarterback because that's where the majority of his fantasy value has come is from his legs. I have him as QB eight this year, so I'm as a low end QB one, but you know, lower, you know, I'm slightly lower on him than, than you are than I think the consensus is. The good news here is that Cam from Stefania's report is trending in the right direction, and we saw an evolved Cam. He also boosted up his completion percentage to 67.8 last year, 67.9. His career average prior to that was 58.5. So good to hear that uh, he is in good spirits. Is seemingly better improving health. And I, I would just when you throw 10 times a game to Christian McCaffrey, well, it listen, helps that completion percentage. He was, also helps he was injured early on. He was injured in the Eagles game. And so when you look at him not being, not running, not diving on it as much, and the way he changed in the end of this season, that was because he was hurt half right. the year. So elsewhere, elsewhere, Stefania, you did go to Los Angeles. You visited the Los Angeles Rams and Cooper Cup, sort of forgotten not only because so much Matthew's little Cooper Cup, a little Thank bit you. forgotten only because Todd Gurley has generated so much 
much of the attention. But let's begin with Matthews at our Cooper Cup. What do you hear on and him on the ACL I wanna, recovery? I want to start out by, by telling you something, Matthew. I, I brought this nugget back especially for you. I Thanks. had a chance to talk with Cooper Cup. Ooh. And so one of the things I wanted to find out was, A, did he know who you, you were? You took from a distance, right? You, no, from no, a no. Dis- like up you talked close, to him from up a- close. He was not afraid. You're so I wanted me. to find out if he knew who you were. Okay. Definitely not. And if he liked or disliked the nickname. My little Cooper Cup. Right. Okay. So, so what'd you find? Uh, the, answer you find the first out? question. No idea who you were. <laughs> uh, the answer to the second question. Wait, hold on. Can we just pretend like just try, just. So what was it like when you asked him? I have an idea. I was. I, it, it was fun for me. No, no. Say it again. How would it go? Like, how'd you ask I, him? I was like, so, you know, I do a lot with fantasy football. We have a podcast. One of my co-hosts, Matthew Barry. Oh, I loved him in yeah. Friends. He was and, so good. Yeah. Here's is what's that great. Not, is that not how it <laughs> so went? Probably he was not. like, who? Yeah, exactly. Right. By the way. I've literally interviewed Cooper Cup before. Like he sat as close. It obviously to him resonated and, uh, yeah, with him. Didn't I, it? Like I, I spent about fifteen minutes with him, as close to him. Must have been a great as, interview, as, huh? Uh, close to Coop, as close to Cooper Even, as uh, you're Stephane no Dan Rather. We get it, okay? Yeah, apparently so, not. Anyway, apparently not. Thanks, Cooper. But this will make you happy, okay? I asked him about the nickname. I said, "So he has this term of endearment for you, but I need to know." Yeah, you told like him like I'm dislike. a huge fan, right? Right. Obviously. Okay. okay. Yeah. I know you're worried about whether he likes you. He he likes. So I no. said, "What do you think of the nickname? This is what he calls you." I told him about that. How you got the little copper cup? That yeah. was a little copper cup because a little, little Cooper, Cooper cup. cup. Right. And he's like, "It's solid. I like it." There you I was go. like, "Are you sure? Because I can have him stop doing." It. No, no. He's like, "I like it." You can tell him. I said, "I like it." By the way. So there. I think it's amazing that Stefania thinks she could get me to say anything. I could get him to stop. She just said that. Yeah, that was. How, you, you and well, I have worked together. I every, to you and I have worked every day together for twelve years. Have you ever gotten me to stop saying anything? Well, I would have told him that it would have been my life's mission to make you stop. <laughs> that would have been impressive. Now On let's the talk about front, how Stephania. great he yeah. looks. First of all, eight yes. months post ACL reconstruction, if you didn't know he tore his ACL last year, you would not know. And I rarely say this when I see a guy coming off of a surgery like this, but he's unrestricted, unbraced, doing everything. And I saw checking all the boxes planting, cutting, decelerating, going to the ground, bouncing back up, like everything he's doing, you would not know this guy had been injured. And I will tell you, number one, the, the Rams have an excellent medical staff and they're very cohesive between the nutrition, the strength and conditioning, performance, athletic trainers, orthopedic surgeon. And Cooper Cup commented on that and said that everything was so integrated that from day one, he knew what the plan was and they allowed him to be part of the plan. So much so that at times he would suggest changes and they implemented them based on how he was progressing. So I really can't say enough about how they think of him and how good he looks. No dropping off for Cooper Cup this year. In the biggest Not his court. name. But Field, I feel like my little Cooper Cup might be a value this year that I think people are still concerned a little bit by the injury, but you get this positive report from Stefania. And you think about Cooper Cup last year, very quickly, first nine weeks of the season, he was the top, he was a top eight fantasy wide receiver, removed the game in which he got injured. He was wide receiver 11 on a points per game basis. He's going as wide receiver like 19 or 20 in a lot of drafts. You know, I'm, I'm sitting here, look, pulling it up right now. Cooper Cup is going in the sixth round. Yeah, I don't like, feel like it's a major value. I think it's a solid value. I like the right. value is what I would say about him. But in the like sixth AJ round. Green's going ahead of him. Wouldn't you rather have Cooper Cup than AJ Green? Yeah, I would based off my rankings. But it's close. Like if AJ Green comes back and is, is healthy by week three, then you can make a pretty compelling case that AJ Green offers more value for the entire season. How about Todd Gurley? Because that's the I mean, question Cooper mark Cup. of the off season. And you know what, Field? My take on Todd Gurley overall is going to be that's going to be the question mark for us as we go into the season and throughout the season. Get used to hearing the term 
load management because this uh, is what Matt the focus is, a Lakers is fan. He knows what it's on about. for him. Yeah. <laughs> this is the focus for Todd Gurley both now in the preseason. I think it will be going forward. When I was there, I was there for two days with the Rams. First practice, Todd Gurley not doing anything. Next day, practice with the Chargers, involved in practice, but rotating in and out of series. Very controlled workload. And for people who are going to ask, well, will Sounds like be? that was some load management. It was indeed. Load management. By the way, doesn't You're load management study. Yeah, doesn't yeah. load management, by the way, sound like a crappy band Daniel would be a fan of? <laughs> Is there a load management? It feels like that's one of those but, things where No, but I I could hear them being a like a grunge rock band from the Pacific Northwest yeah. somewhere. What are you load hey, Secret Squirrel, you want to go some grab some barbecue tonight? Can't. I'm seeing load management. <laughs> yeah, it's load management is playing at the showbox tonight, guys. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, I can't go. <laughs> Yeah. Can't use, I mean, that, I could totally see it. But like, would yeah. it be like, um, you know how like bands always incorporate, like the, the O in load management would be like O with like a stripe through it or something. Yeah, something Not like just that. like a regular it's got like the two dots know. over top of it's it or something. Lots, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 It's like, oh man. I, okay. Load management is open up and is opening up for Dance Gavin Dance. It's going to be awesome. Dance Gavin Dance. It could, that's a good recall right there by there you. I'm impressed. Know. You, you know what? Wait, he's been an old man. You carry a lot of, you know, you get some storability up there. Listen, he's, uh, he's a fan of the show. We love him. Yeah, Tillian's a good dude. Yeah, right? he's, a good he's, a, he's a he's a super nice guy. He's uh, probably I, listening right now. How about back to Todd Todd name back one to dance Gavin dance song? Wow, that's offensive. Yeah, it no is. I'm being uh, honest. Going back to Todd Gurley. Yeah, let's oh, yeah. get there. That's we were on Todd uh, Gurley and load management. Because yeah. the question is going to be, well, is he going to be fully healthy to start the season? And here's what I want people to understand. I don't think I would put the words fully healthy and Todd Gurley in the same sentence because that knee that he had the ACL reconstruction on that has some changes as a result of not only associated with that surgery, but the workload, the volume of him being a running back in the NFL has changed. Now, can he be fully functional in the presence of that knee? Yes, I think he can. The question is how for how much and for how long and how are they going to manage him across the season? Are they going to utilize him in the exact same way? Well, if they did, that wouldn't make a lot of sense because we saw what happened at the end of last year. They say he's going to be the same guy. I think he will look like the same player when he steps on the field. I believe everything is geared towards him looking great when he steps out there. But will they rotate him out for series? Will they limit his usage across the course of a game? Will they limit it from week to week? And I think some of that is dynamic and evolving and will depend on how Todd Gurley responds week in and week out to that utilization. So it's we, going to be a question mark for me every every week. That's kind so, of the, the that that feels like the worst thing I could hear right now. You know what I mean? Here's the reason why. Like I I, I would rather it be somewhere on one end of the spectrum. Right. Like right. don't touch him with a 10-foot pole would have been like, okay, I now I know. You got it. Or like hey, I have no concerns. Obviously would have been optimal. Like the the ambiguity. That's what's going to make th- that's what's going to make him the toughest call I think for fantasy. But I, so I'm going to make you make that tough call. He's currently going as running back seven, I believe, in the most recent ADP. Yep. You drafted him, Devonya Bell. Like I've been in a million drafts with you over the past decade, That's and you were always. It's a lot of drafts, <laughs> but no, Stefania is the most risk averse yeah. drafter I've ever for injuries I've ever played mm-hmm. in fantasy with, and so probably, I think that's very telling. Would you draft him? Probably not at seven for me. Where would you uh, draft? Him? Where probably, would you feel comfortable? I probably would feel comfortable. So let's say I'm in like a twelve team league. I, okay. I know ten team is our standard, but at ten, you're in a twelve I'd team league, hesitate, somewhere between ten and twelve. Ten and twelve. Okay. okay. And so, I, but I would be sure to be looking at either Daryl Henderson or Malcolm Brown. It's going to be Malcolm Brown, and I, I think Malcolm Brown in the hey, for, just for an example, when I was there with the Chargers, Malcolm yeah. Brown. 
scores in the end zone. Like, I, I'm taking note of Malcolm Brown's utilization, and Malcolm Brown is somebody I'd want. You just mentioned Malcolm Brown, by the way, yeah. and, uh, and being there uh, in Los Angeles when they played the Chargers. Can we can we hit some Hunter Henry information, or have you, yeah. have you gutted the van on Todd Gurley? It's an evolving. We're going right. to have. No, the one thing I was going risk. to say on this, the one thing I was going to say is that uh, I just uh, I just taped a podcast yesterday with Adam Schefter, with our friend Adam Schefter, and so shout out that's coming out on Monday. Um, but uh, previewing the, you know, to promote the Fantasy Football Marathon, which is starting Monday, 6 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. I'm a company man. But uh, we were just we talked about Gurley on, on the podcast. And so lots of great information. Uh, check out Adam's podcast when it comes out on Monday. One of the things that came up, as I said, my take on that Gurley situation is that if anything were to happen to Gurley, Malcolm Brown would be the backup. Like, everyone's drafting Daryl Henderson like he's the handcuff to Gurley, and I'm saying it's Malcolm Brown. Henderson's going to have his own, you know, uh, Chris Thompson-esque role, like an 8-12 to 12 touch role. And, you know, and Adam, who has had Sean McVay on his podcast, who obviously is as plugged in as anyone in the NFL, was just like, that's absolutely correct. That is how they see their running back situation. Okay, there you so have just it. just so you know, I mean, so it's Malcolm not just Brown, specul- I mean, it's, it, next you know, man up. Shefty is, uh, you know. Sarfanya? You, yeah. you can argue with me. You can't argue with Shefty. Correct. Um, going to Hunter Henry, you know, last year you may remember he played at the very end of the season. And I think we were a little bit surprised, like coming off the ACL injury there, he was out in a couple of games. But what that does for a player is it lets him know like, hey, I was okay to suit up and get on the field last year. Even if he didn't catch a pass, he was healthy enough to be out there in the mix. So coming into this year after a summer of working on his strengthening and building up his endurance a little bit further, he looks great. I thought he looked at, and the report from some folks I talked to with the Chargers was that they feel great about him. He's looked good consistently through practice, offers them obviously another big target in the red zone. So, uh, I, I love how Hunter Henry looks. Good news there. A player that has the chance to be a top five, maybe the next man up in the tight end group once you get through the royal trio of Ertz. Kelsey, and also George Kittle. Royal Trio also sounds like a crappy band you've never heard of. The Dan- like, Royal with Trio load- and Load Management, management. on tour together this summer. It's going to be electric. Yeah, That's right. You can catch them at Numo's on Friday, 7 p.m. Doors at 6.30. <laughs> Love it. Do you ever feel like ticketing websites make getting to the event difficult on purpose? Like to, what was it, Numo's? Like getting to an event, Numo's, to Numo's. watch Royal Trio and yep. Load Management? Yep. It's as if they're so big they can get away with not caring about the customer experience at all. So what if their site's annoying and they don't have events that you want? Hello, status quo. The real question is how easy could it be if those ticketing sites actually cared? With millions of live events and a price match guarantee, SeatGeek proves there's a better way. Search sports, live music, comedy, and more. SeatGeek has tickets you're looking for all in one place. In an industry that tends to stagnate, SeatGeek decided to stand out from the crowd. They build the fastest way to find tickets. So you can stop searching for the perfect seat and just start enjoying it. Why is SeatGeek better than the rest? I ask you that. A quick look at the app shows over 50,000 five-star reviews. How's that for customer satisfaction? That sounds like a lot of five-star reviews. SeatGeek also pulls together millions of tickets from all over the web. Mm. Then it rates each deal on a scale of 1 to 10. Finally, SeatGeek displays them on an interactive seat map. SeatGeek breaks down all the details. Green dots mean good deals. Red dots are overpriced. And every purchase is fully guaranteed so you can shop for tickets with confidence. SeatGeek will even give you $10 off your first SeatGeek purpose. All you need to do is or use purchase. our promo code. <laughs> what did I say? Purpose. 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 Purchase. You can purchase. go see Load Management. Download the SeatGeek app today and use promo code FFF for $10 off of your first purchase. That's promo code FFF for $10 off your first purchase. 
purchase. Used I use SeatGeek this summer. Get some uh, get some tickets to see John Fogarty. So you know nice. it's got to be. And, and it, it worked out great. It was fun. It was. Uh, <laughs> let me tell you something. Like John, you know, one of my one of my old man. Phil, music. Do you know who John Fogarty is? Uh, yeah, definitely. Who is? Oh you don't know God. who John Fogarty is? You don't know who John Fogarty is? I do it. I can tell by the look. Who's John Fogarty? Creedence Clearwater. Creedence Clearwater, the lead singer of Creedence Clearwater Revival. Okay, I know the band. Right. Okay. Like by the way. Guys like seventy or something like that. <laughs> Show was amazing. Like you know every song he's high school classmate. So great. Um, anyway, <laughs> not a high school classmate of mine. He what? might have been. Anyway, no. Anyway, we, we had, Hold on. wife and I had a lot of fun. It was finally it was it was uh, one of the few date nights I get without Stefania. Right, exactly. I took Stefania's wife out. Stefania, one more here before yes, we get going to the I have, uh, Donnie I have Trouble. One, there, Antonio there, Brown. Yeah, there was a little bit of news that happened with Antonio Brown, and you know me, I like to go the extra mile to do uh, my reporting. So yep. um, I'm I'm going to bring you a little bit of a little insight to the Antonio Brown situation okay. based on. What we've heard, the report sure. from Adam Schefter that he suffered uh, frostbite secondary to a cryotherapy experience in France. Now, you have to keep in mind, we don't know the context. We don't know what what was the machine that was hap- that they, they right. used. Was he being supervised? Like, did he just doesn't sound like it. It, yeah. it doesn't sound like it. Right? Had, he, but, but, had he drunk a bottle of beautiful we, French wine? Why was he doing it in the first? We don't know any of those things. We're not going to get into the merits of whether these cryo chambers work or don't work. That's a whole another conversation. But if they are doing it, there are rules. There are things that are supposed to be followed. There are signs. Guidelines. Guidelines that say when you when you, Helpful when hints. you see a cryo chamber, usually the sign says, do not enter without proper protection for your hands and your feet. You wear gloves. That's good advice for life, kids. Not well, just Kyrie. Hey, yo. I'm just saying. What, do you know what cools the chamber? Liquid nitrogen. Sure. Okay, so it gets down. Oh. Look, there's a photo. So this would be, this is the work I did for you when I was in Vegas at the UFC. If you're watching us. I went into the cryo chamber to show you. That's where you stand. And see, you've got. Right, booties on your feet. Right, so for if and you are like on your hand, yeah. right. So yeah, if look you're, at that. If, uh, you know, if, if you're watching us on on Twitter like or YouTube, speed. right. If you're watching us on Twitter or YouTube or the ESPN app, where you can watch us live every day, ten to eleven a.m. Eastern, you're seeing a picture of Stefania, and she's got like little booties, like right. they're like they're like they're like UGG boots kind of looking. They look thing. like yeah, moon shoes to me. But, and here's the here's the thing, kind of moon shoes. You're you're in a summer dress. I am. And, now, that's not recommended, but usually it's recommended to be in leather For the gram, it's definitely recommended. Um, now, yeah. Yes. yeah, you should put that on the gram. At Stefania B87. Yes. Well, you'll notice this is a sign that basically says attention and a reminder when you're putting the information into the machine to not go in without the protection on your hands and your feet. My point being that everything is there to tell you not to go in with bare feet or what people have done before socks and wet feet because it will you you can get burns from the bottom of the chamber had, you also had like the, these big right. bla- black mitts on right and essentially you're not supposed to touch the chamber because it gets very very cold so the bottom line is now he's got this issue with his feet you see the massive peeling of the skin it, think of if you ever had a pedicure and they take down the calluses if they overdo it it feels like you can't walk because it's so sensitive. You have immature skin on the bottom of your feet. Now try being a wide receiver trying to plant I have and immature cut skin and turn. everywhere. <laughs> Go ahead. My point Matthew. is that now you've got this these, the bottom of the feet that need to heal. So usually you use something like zinc oxide, maybe some cortisone. You wrap and protect the feet. But there's no substitute for the time it takes to heal. I think based on how it looked from that one photo we were able to see, he could be ready by week one, but even if his feet are ready to tolerate 
being a receiver by week one, that means virtually no time practicing with his new quarterback. So hopefully he's learned a lesson about not doing this type of thing again. And you have to remember it's very individual. But yes, he should ultimately recover from this. But the timing is going to be suspect all the way up until the start of the season. We had a nine-minute conversation on the podcast about this, about his value. Check that out for more information. That, again, was on Thursday's show. I just want you guys to appreciate that I got in the chamber. Yeah, great job. Put on the boots. How long did you last in the chamber? Well, he didn't turn it on. I just was there. So it's a photo op. It was a modeling session to show you because people didn't. You know, I wanted to bring it. You're such an Instagram model. That's a total Instagram model kind of thing to do. I wanted to. You got there for the photo op, and then you immediately bailed. I was educating the folks because people sometimes they don't know what does it look like the chamber. What do you mean protective booties? But now I bet you didn't know what it looked like. Now you do, Matthew Berry. But Stefania was dressed for the gram. Let's just leave it at that. Stefania was definitely dressed for the gram. That's going up on the gram by the time the show is over. A quick housekeeping note. There are seats left for our New York City live show, August 20th. Just a couple of seats, not many. Yeah, the sales have been good, but there's like... A There's couple a handful, seats. Uh, a I would handful, call it a handful. Daniel, remind us of what the website is to find them. It's ticketweb.com. You Ticket can search web. for ESPN or Fantasy Focus. It is easy to find us on there. It's going to be a fun show. These live shows are always a blast. Always fun. Web. August 20th always in New fun. York City, Times Square at the Hard Rock Cafe. Go to ticketweb.com. Come out and see us. Time now. Double trouble. <laughs> Double trouble. 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 The Seattle Seahawks have an eight and a half win projection according Thanks, to Sundress. Vegas. They've gone over eight and a half wins in seven straight seasons. Only the Patriots have a longer streak. That means they've had a winning record in seven straight years. Let's begin with Russell Wilson. Last year, a remarkable season, an incredibly efficient season. And yet, Matthew, you're down on Russell Wilson going into this year with quarterback 14. I've got him at quarterback seven. What say you? Well, first off, I think last year, last year he was the ninth best quarterback in fantasy, yes, right? He was. And he was the ninth best quarterback in fantasy despite the fact that he was insanely efficient, right? So 2018 represented a 23.4% spike in points per pass and a 43.9% spike in percentage of touchdown passes, right? So he, his career touchdown rate going into last year was 5.7%, which is very good. But last year, his touchdown rate was 8.2%. That is going to come down. It is going to regress to the mean. Again, it's going to regress probably around to his career rate of around 5% because this is the run-heaviest offense in the NFL. Mm. No Doug Baldwin there. Remember, think about this. In 2014, he ran for six touchdowns. Okay, In the four seasons since, he's run for five touchdowns, including zero last year. 67 rushing attempts last year. That was the lowest of his career. 376 rushing yards last year, second lowest of his career. He's not running as much field, and I don't think he's going to be nearly as efficient with the touchdown passes here. However, I think there's a, I think there is a floor there, just as we've talked about, like in a standard 10 team league where, uh, the quarterback position is so deep 
to me, there's just a there's a floor with Russell Wilson. He's a high floor guy, but I don't know that he's a high ceiling guy. And so this year, because of how the offense is is situated, and so if he's running less and they're running the ball, if he personally is running less, but they're not throwing it because they're they are running it very effectively, as we'll talk about when we get to Carson and Penny. For me, I'd rather a guy with higher upside because um, you know I would rank him higher in a 14 team league. But in a 10-team league, yeah. He, I think the me, upside the is concern. higher. Two years ago, he was the number one scoring quarterback in fantasy football. His career marks in terms of at finish amongst quarterbacks. Yeah. Remember, Russell Wilson's never missed a game. So you're getting the consistency of him being yep. there. 11, 8, 3, 3, 10, 1, 9. That's from start to finish of his career. He has been about as consistent. Read as those again, though. Read them again slowly. 11th. 11th last year. No, 11th. Rookie oh, this is rookie. Oh, you're going from rookie year. Rookie year. Okay, got it. First to last. Eleventh, eighth, third. Yep. Third. Mm-hmm. Tenth. First. Ninth. Now, remember, last year going into last season, so he, was, he's been ninth or tenth in two of the last three years. Right, with first in between, like as if a top ten thing is bad. I understand. Last year when he came into the season, remember he was battling a knee injury. He had a yeah. a down 2017 season mm-hmm. because of the fact that his knee was bothering him. Yep. I understand there were fewer rushing attempts or fewer rushing yards last season when they were being very mindful of protecting that knee that he was dealing with the year before. Beyond that, this team had everything go right and on script last year. Right. Played better than expected defense, ran the football more effectively than we expected him to. We're already hearing a lot of talk about them opening up the offense specifically with the running backs in the passing game. And I just don't think that they are going to edge out as many games in the way that they did last year. Mike Lay talks about this in our podcast last season. Last year, they basically played not to lose. Control the clock, play good defense, be awesome in special teams. I don't think the margin for error is going to be nearly the same this year as it was last season. I think that Russell Wilson is going to have to carry a heavier load, and I'm less concerned about the wide receivers than maybe you are. I'm in on Russell Wilson, number seven in my quarterback ranks. Yeah, I guess the concern just comes from uh, will they let him – Things were, you said everything went right from last year. So why go away from that script? I mean, Brian because Schottenheimer they, they wants. Can't. Yeah. I'm saying like, first of all, the 49ers, they, they, they lose their There's, quarterback. They're playing some one. better four, offenses and their defense has gotten worse. They in got Seattle. four hand, that, that handout games. Kyler it. Murray is, is gone, is, yeah. is there. Like, it's not nearly as easy as it was last year. To me, that's the best argument you have there is what Stefania is saying is that if their defense struggles and a lot of people don't expect their defense to be nearly as good this year. And so if they get into some more shootouts, I could see that there, but I think they're going to run very effectively. And then you're basically looking at, in terms of receiving core, it's Tyler Lockett and then sort of a lot of question marks. We'll, right? we'll get I to mean, the receivers so, in a bit, but I mean that was kind of what it was for a long stretch of last year. Doug Baldwin gutted through stuff, but Doug Baldwin was also playing yeah. on like half a knee. And he was right? quarterback nine last right? year. And he was yeah, which is pretty good. Pretty good for all those things that that you're talking. Yeah, all those mitigating it's, factors. It's fine. Like he has a high floor. He's a high floor guy. I guess it. I'm more I'm bullish. Just, than I'm you saying are. I. You are definitely more bullish uh, than I am. Let's get so, to the running backs yep. and start with Chris Carson because he was outstanding last year. Perhaps quietly the fifth leading rusher in the NFL last season. You've got him at running back 18. I've got him at running back 23. And I was going through the note last night. I thought to myself, probably need to be a couple of notches higher on Chris Carson. Part of that is because we know he's good. Also part of that is the rhetoric that we're hearing right now from Brian Schottenheimer, the guy who's calling plays, that he's an amazing pass catcher, and we need to use him more so as such. Are you buying the idea that they will involve Carson more into the passing game? I love Chris Carson this year. Okay. Uh, when my love-hate comes out, you will see how much I love Chris Carson. And and to your point, like, you know, I have him as running back 18. Look, are there concerns about health? 
Of course there are, right? He got missed a couple of games last year, his, his rookie year. He missed the majority of the season here. But um, think about this, right? It, he's He has yet to turn 25 years old. Finished like came into last year a little bit banged up, obviously because he missed the majority of his rookie year. Finished strong, like three straight games of 115 rushing yards and a rushing score, longest such streak in NFL history since 2012 when Adrian Peterson did it. He did it for four straight games. Here. I feel like when you say the longest such streak in NFL history since 2012, it kind of goes Is that against a bit right. hyperbole, a little <laughs> bit hyperbole. Fair. Um, I think that's a fair criticism, but that's the only criticism you can make of Chris Carson. That's Is that fair. I'm yeah. being I'm being a little bit too <laughs> hyperbole. But look, here's the thing, like. He's on the run heaviest team. Yeah. A little bit injury prone. Okay, fair enough. But he's on the run heaviest team. Um, and you know, there's argument that he doesn't catch passes. So there's like, there's obviously upside, but there's a little bit of risk. How is he different than Leonard Fournette? It, is, it's sort of my argument, right? Is it Leonard Fournette? I have one answer for that. Okay. What, which is what? I mean, they're both going to get some insane. Alfred volume. Blue is the guy that's backing up Leonard Fournette. Right. Whereas in Seattle, you have Rashad Penny. Right. Sure. A first round pick just a year ago. So that's, so I guess using but, that as a jumping off point to continue the Carson conversation and also introduce Penny. Does the threat of, so the threat of Penny scares you not at all. Does that mean? Correct. Well, so hang on for a second because here's the, here's the point. Mike Davis had 146 touches last year, and obviously he's now in Chicago. So there's 146 touches in this backfield that are up for grabs. And all due respect to C.J. Proceis and J.D. McKissick, like those 146 touches, for the most part, are going to be somehow divided between Chris Carson and Rashad Penny. So my point is is that Rashad Penny can get an, inc- an incredible increase in workload, and that still remains that Chris Carson's going to be one of the most used, highest volume running backs in the NFL. My argument is, is that I think there are there are a lot of similarities between Leonard Fournette and Chris Carson, except for the fact that Leonard Fournette's going five rounds higher. Right, like they're they're both like first and second down guys um, that are going to get insane volume on run heavy teams um, that so far to their career haven't caught a ton of passes. Right, and I guess right to your point, there's Penny versus Alfred Blue, but I would argue the Seahawks are a better offense. Than the Jaguars, I'd rather my running back with it. Right, I mean, right. It's like you'd rather you'd rather your running back be with Russell Wilson than Nick Foles. I agree on all that. So I think we both agree that Chris Carson's an outstanding value. The guy's got a ton of potential. He's and going it, in the seventh round, which your, is insane to me. Right, he went in the seventh round in the real draft, and that was too low. He went and he's going in the seventh round of fantasy drafts, also too low. Let's talk about Rashad Penny just to kind of just to round that conversation out. Is there value there? Because yes. we've got, okay, there is value. And, and what type of value slash role do you envision him to have for your fantasy team? Is this a guy that you're drafting to potentially use as a flex down the line, week one usable piece? Where do you sort of view him? So I think it's two things. Right now I have him as running back 35, so I don't okay. have him as a starter. But uh, I have him higher than his, his current ADP of 38, and you have him at running back 40. So uh, I'm higher than you and, and and the consensus here, and it's for two reasons. Number one is, again, this is the run-heaviest team in the NFL. So at least I'm being consistent in my analysis, which is that it's one of the reasons why I'm down on Russell Wilson. My expectation is that they will continue to run the ball uh, quite a bit this year. And so I think Rashad Penny is going to be usable as a flex in a 12-team league. You know, I think he's going to get enough work because I think he gets a lot of the Mike Davis stuff. And you're still going to see, like, you know, almost 20 touches a game from Chris Carson. But the other piece of it is, is it just goes to the, the philosophy that I talked about in the drafting manifesto, which is you want with range of outcomes. Chris Carson's range of outcomes is very narrow. That as long as he's healthy, he's going to be a top 15 fantasy running back, right? Okay. Uh, especially, and especially if they use him more in the passing game is what we're hearing out of camp. 
But Rashad Penny, if anything were to happen to Chris Carson, he's got, again, you know, range of outcomes weekly. If anything were to happen to Chris Carson, Rashad Penny is suddenly a top 10 fantasy player for any week that Chris Carson is out. Sort of feels so, like the ultimate handcuff this year, which is weird a, to say about a guy that was a first-round pick a year ago. Yeah, but a, a great handcuff. So he's got he's got incredible upside, and there's also some usability for him as a flex play in like a 12-team league. He's very similar in that respect to Latavius Murray, who is, again, a, another guy that I think is useful in a flex sort of way, but if anything were to happen to the starter ahead of him, would immediately become a no-brainer top-10 starter for the weeks that... Camaro was out. I'll leave the regression to the mean talk to Mike Clay for the most part, but when your quarterback's passer rating when targeting a wide receiver is literally perfect, which was the case for Russell Wilson to Tyler Lockett last year, it feels like there's a chance that things could level off a bit. That being said, Tyler Lockett's still a top 25 player. You got him at 22. I have him at 25. Wide receiver ADP is 22 right now, Matthew. Is it possible that the efficiency is going to go down, obviously. Obviously, yep. But how much of a spike in volume are you expecting for Tyler Lockett? Because that's that's what kind of unlocks it here. Yeah, I mean that's exactly. I mean I think the that's what balances out, and that's why I have him at I have him at wide receiver twenty two, which is exactly where he's actually going in ADP. He's going as wide receiver twenty two. Doug Baldwin's no longer there, right? Seventy three targets in thirteen games works out to an eighty nine target pace. So there's about ninety targets out there, and then you think about DK Metcalf and David Moore and the tight ends, and so like Tyler Lockett should be. Uh, the number one and not close target for Russell Wilson. So I think there's going to be a, a huge increase in volume here. So I think he gets a decent amount of those 90 targets that were left on the field, uh, by Doug Baldwin, uh, retiring. And so, yeah, give me some, uh, give me some Tyler Lockett. He won't be as efficient, but that the volume will make up for that. Just if you had to throw a dart at one of the other Seahawks pass catchers, is it going towards DK Metcalf where it will be deflected off of one of his abs? Or what would you do in this case? Like, who do you like most? Believe it or not, I actually like David Moore. And I understand DK Metcalf. This is based like, off value. It's not based off of like... Not you know, based off of abs in photos? It certainly is not. <laughs> it is certainly not based off of abs in photos. Um, it, look, and, and I, I get it with DK Metcalf, and, and I like him, but I will tell you, just talking to people in Seattle... They think they have something in David Moore. They 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 really do. They like him. Weeks five through eight last year, a guy averaged seventeen fantasy points a game. He caught nine passes, hundred eighty two yards in those three games. There. So look, I think he's a very late round flyer. So in just in terms of value, like in terms of where DK Metcalf is being drafted versus David Moore. David Moore is not even being drafted. Right. I'm, in a standard 10-team league, I'm not even sure you're drafting either one of these Neither guys. Neither one of them should be drafted at this point. Want a board bet just for fun? Just sure. To get DK Metcalf involved? Season-long yeah, yeah. scoring totals? Yeah. I will take David Moore. You want to? I'll do that. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah, I say David Moore has more fantasy points this year than DK Metcalf. I say DK Metcalf has more fantasy points than David Moore. Put it on the board! Put it on the board. Good one right there. We're anyway. going to take a quick break. Both those guys are interesting for Dynasty for me. Yeah, I, just, I agree. I, I just... Anyway, just don't forget about David Moore. That's just a name I want you to rattle around. Everyone knows about DK Metcalf, but no one's like David Moore is a boring name. And I'm just, I'm just telling you, they oh, like him a lot in Seattle. They, that's they rude. Really, it is. It's a boring name. It's just a boring name. David, Sorry. He can't. He can't even bench 350, <laughs> which is like, I just like whatever. It's a, DK Metcalf's got the ad. It's a fun name, and My he's social media savvy. He wants it to just, rattle around in your brain, but not everyone has as much room for a name to rattle. What do you think about around? Field's name? <laughs> is this Field have a fun name, or is that Field a does name? have a fun name? Field, yeah. Field honestly, Minister listen, Yates. Field Minister Yates, great name. Yeah. Daniel Dopp's actually a really good name. That's interesting, Daniel right? Daniel yeah. Stefania Bell, that's a great name. Stefania, dime store yeah, novel. Yeah, yeah, exactly, 100%. <laughs> 
Matthew Berry, like a boring name. Please, Garage It's a sale. boring name. It's similar to, a, there's a lot of other Matthew Berries. We've had and this see, conversation. You get pissed off. You get ticked off when we say it's the fantasy show with Daniel Dopp featuring Matthew Berry. That's the reason why. Yeah. No, it wanna, isn't. That is what it is. Oh, Matthew no. Daniel's better than you are. That may be. Okay. Fair enough. That's Anyways. Fair. fair enough. I was, real talk for a second. I was, uh, I saw some, I was, I was at an event last night where there was some uh, high muckety muck ESPN executives. And literally the first question they asked me says, Hey, when's Daniel getting naked on the fantasy show again? Yeah. <laughs> I swear oh to God. And I just said, I said, we haven't gotten there yet. We'll see. They're like, uh, we, we need will... something to boost the I, Literally, that was the first question out of their mouth when I, uh, when I were to said hi. Someone's got a lane. <laughs> that one's mine. On that note, we'll take a quick break and come back and talk about the 49ers. Tennessee, you're in the 06010. Thanks to all those joining us on YouTube, the Twitter live stream, and also the ESPN app. We're back talking about the 49ers. Stefania loves them. If you're wondering if Stefania was there because they had 32 injuries yesterday, the answer is yes. Stefania well, went to 49ers I mean, what's camp. What's going on, dude? Like, seriously. Come on. I was, I, when you said 32 injuries yesterday, I was like, you mean 32 injuries last year? And then I thought, oh, no. Marquis Goodwin, Nick Bosa. Most important one, though, Stefania, I think for our purposes, and not to to mitigate the other people's health, but still, from fantasy football purposes, the big name right now is what's going on with Jeremy McKinnon. And we'll talk about the fantasy impact in a second. Let's just get the Cliff Notes version of what the health is. Well, and Jerick McKinnon tore his ACL the same time as as Jimmy G, really just slightly before, and uh, had his ACL reconstruction surgery shortly thereafter. So you're thinking, okay, he's had a pretty... Good time frame with which to recover. Uh, had a little bit of a flare up is what we found out when he spoke to reporters the day I was there. He was activated from the physically unable to perform list on Tuesday, the day I was at camp. So we got to see him doing some running back drills, uh, participating a little bit. And then he came and spoke with the reporters. And at that time, he said it felt good just to be out there. He loved testing the knee. He mentioned the flare up that set him back and caused him not to start camp on time. But essentially, he sounded like a guy who was ready to get back in the mix and start increasing his activity at practice. Said he wasn't wearing a brace because he didn't need one. He felt like that would as a mental mindset for him. And then lo and behold, after a couple of days, he has enough soreness that they pull him back. He's getting a PRP injection. Sounded like he was going to miss two weeks for sure. They still hope to have him. That would give him 18 days, I believe, from the time he returned to the season one opener. I have to say... If you don't practice for two weeks, you got 18 days to get back coming off ACL reconstruction. I don't feel great about how that looks for him. I mean, might he come back in small packages to start potentially? There's one of a few things or one of two things really that happens. They either bring him back slowly and let him do a little bit week in and week out. Or they decide, you know what, we're just going to rest him, and they put him on IR with a designation to return when the season opens. Somebody keep an eye on for sure whether this is more long-term for now. It's two weeks. But let's begin with the 49ers and in terms of the (laughs) position-by-position breakdown with the quarterbacks, Matthew. We've got Jimmy Garoppolo, who you have ranked at quarterback 20. I've got him at quarterback 18. And Stefania, I guess just to quelch concerns, Jimmy Garoppolo also coming back from an ACL tear 
all systems seem to be a go right now. Yes. Uh, you know, he's wearing a brace. And for people who wonder, well, you know, why aren't these other guys wearing a brace? He's wearing a brace. Very common for quarterbacks. I think Tom Brady, Brady still, Tom wears, Brady still wears it. And part of the reason for that is because they have the chance of getting rolled up on in the pocket or getting hit in the pocket. And they do that to give them some extra protection for their knee. But uh, I wear every- three braces. None of my leg. <laughs> I don't. None of my leg. I don't, I don't know. What, I yeah. Just don't even. I'm going to ignore that I was one. Gonna, let's move along. In any case, Jimmy Garoppolo uh, looks great. Uh, everybody's very happy. So with, again, to clarify, yeah. when he looks great, yeah. are you referencing the As knee? a quarterback, well, I mean, there's no denying, right? right. I mean, he, he just yeah, looks he, good. He, he, he yeah. just looks good. With, Field wanted you, you to know, quench the concerns. Office. What about the thirst? Has the thirst been quenched or no? I, from everything I can tell, no. But I, <laughs> look, I'm being an objective reporter. I'm talking about for the, sure. the for the other ladies out there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right, right, Look, right. I stayed far away from him. I kept the perimeter sure. wide yeah, when okay. I was there. Got I didn't it. want to take yeah. any chances on any setbacks for that's my quarterback. That's your quarterback. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, Stefania taking Look, he, right. To be honest, I mean, sure, there there were a couple things where he looked a little uh, rusty at times. He's still working, you know, working his way back after essentially a year of being out of football, but I think uh, they're very pleased with where he is. Okay, good news there, Matthew. Just on the Jimmy Garoppolo sort of... So it's one of those interesting ones, Matthew, is we've got him ranked as a non-starter in even the deep leagues. So the question would be, is there value in drafting Jimmy Garoppolo other than, I guess the only scenario I can envision it would be this. You take one of these quarterbacks you have some question marks about, you wait, you're in a deeper league, and you might maybe you grab a... I don't know, whoever it is, Lamar Jackson, and you're not super sold on him. So you pair him with Jimmy Garoppolo. Other than that, like, is there a circumstance under which you're drafting him in non-two quarterback leagues? Right. Probably not. The weird part is, is that we sort of talk about, you know, we talk about range of outcomes all the time. Jimmy Garoppolo has a massive wide range of outcomes. Yeah. Like, this is a guy that was drafted as basically a top 10 fantasy quarterback last year. So, I mean, because we know how Kyle Shanahan's offenses have been fantasy friendly, uh, you know, certainly obviously in Atlanta and, you know, previously when he was in, in Washington and other places that he'd been. But then you get to, you know, he also he, smashed in those couple of starts yes. that he had before. So in 2017, when he was traded, right. they patiently waited to put him in the game. Eventually he ends up starting after who was it that got hurt? Whoever it was. CJ Beathard. CJ Beathard gets hurt and he yeah. shreds the Jaguars. Yeah. He had another monster game. So, like, I think there are some people that say, like, you know, 4,500 yards and 30 touchdowns is not that crazy for Jimmy Garoppolo. No, certainly not. So it's interesting. Like, it's all super small sample size with him. Like, you know, in his 49ers career, he has a, an 11 to 8 touchdown interception ratio. Mm. Right. And so last year, the San Francisco quarterback as a, as a player, was QB 16 between, you know, right. Garoppolo, Beathard, and Nick Mullins, you know, all combined. So it's sort of a lost season there. But they've, you know, I think the offensive line will be better here. They bring in Debo Samuel. They've improved the running game, obviously. George Kittle had a breakout year. You've got Dante Pettis who came. Like, so in theory, like, everything's there for Garoppolo to have a big year, right? There's a lot more weapons yeah. around him. And if he's healthy and it's a fantasy-friendly offense. So, like, he's a... He's a sleeper, and it's just one of the. It just goes to show how deep the position is. But no, I don't have him higher just because there's too much unknown about him. S- such a wide range of outcomes. But no, would not shock me if this guy winds up as a 
top 12, top 10 fantasy quarterback this year. One of the areas they're really focusing on is the red zone offense because they struggled in the red zone. And so they know that even when he for the games he was healthy, that was not a strength for them. So they're really trying to prove that. Most importantly for the 49ers, Jimmy Garoppolo is protecting him. Just like you need to protect your home with ADT Star. Oh, I see what you did there. Boom shakalaka. <laughs> that is a professional <laughs> segue. That is a professional segue. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. LFG. Let's go. What is I LFG? See we are in mid season form. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you. Can I it's tell a, what it it's means? A, no. It's a looking for group. When you play oh, Xbox and you're looking right. for other people <laughs> to play with, I'm looking for group. Okay. Okay. Fantasy focused football. If is... we weren't live on Twitter, YouTube, and the ESPN app, I would tell you what LFG is. Tell me after the show. Tell me after the show. Yeah. Right. I'm going to try again. Go ahead, Stefania. Tell me about ADT. Fantasy Focus Football is sponsored by ADT. Tell me more. What does real protection mean for you? Don't answer that. <laughs> gonna, you can get uh, all of the latest I've innovations. Been told, I've been telling my teenage kids all about it. <laughs> you, can, you can get all of the latest innovation in smart home security from ADT combined with 24-7 monitoring from the most trusted name in home security. You get a team of professionals, unlike this group, designing and installing a secure smart home just for you. You get 18,000 employees safeguarding you and your family with a connection to first responders. You get the nation's number one smart home security provider. You can get a secure smart home with everything from <laughs> video doorbells, indoor and outdoor cameras. <laughs> I don't know why that's funny. I know why. I know why. It's funny. <laughs> I give you one library, Stefania. Come on. One library. One library. Give me, the, give me that library. Jeez. Get out of here. Stop it. Give me that library. You have no idea it. what I'll, I'll explain to the people what ADT can do. Give me that library. No, you do Starfania. You're trying to. No, come no, on. No. I'm, I'm coming over there. <laughs> uh, ADT, where are we? You can get a secure smart home with everything from video doorbells, video indoor doorbells. outdoor cameras, smart locks and lights. <laughs> Control from the ADT app or the sound of your voice. You can professionally, you can get professionally monitored carbon monoxide and smoke detectors, Stefania. You can get a system custom designed to fit your home. You can go safely on the go in the car when the kids are at school with the ADT Go app with an SOS button. I need that, an SOS button right I'm, now, ADT. I'm having flashbacks right now to Mo Cheeks helping the girl <laughs> sing the national anthem where she couldn't get the words out at the beginning of the song. It's not my fault, though. Be honest, Field. You understand why it's not my fault. It's not your <laughs> It's actually fault. my fault. I'll just be honest with you. Yes, it's, a, it it's an end joke here. It's entirely my fault. I take all the blame. But you know which what? is why I helped you out with a live read for our friends at ADT. All right, let's keep it rolling here. Let's get back on track. Let's talk about the backfield because it is the most, I think it's one of the most, like three to four intriguing backfields in the NFL this preseason. How does the San Francisco backfield shake out? Stefania gave us some pause right now on Jarek McKinnon, Matthew. So with that in mind, let's Jared go through McKinnon's the value. Jarek draftable. Okay, I, I think do, that's fair. Do we agree? No, I think he definitely needs to be. You move him down significantly. I need to move him down as well um, from running back 37 where I last had him. You got him down at running back 59. Yeah. So... You feel undraftable. Like, okay, good. Let's let's cross him off the list then. Give me but, some Tevin Coleman. Interesting. Okay, because yeah. I yesterday tweeted, hey, you know, with I, I quote tweeted Nick Wagoner's post about Jerick McKinnon, and I said, hey, you know, it seems likelier by the day that Tevin Coleman is taking control of this job. And a lot of people jumped on my mentions, and they were like, Matt Breida, ever heard of him? So it seems like this is maybe the Matt Breida show. I'm going to uh, jump in here and say Did that. Did they use that sound effect? Or was that you adding that? And they're like, Matt oh, Breida, ever heard of him? Did that they was... use that sound effect? 
Yeah, they did. Yeah. Uh, interesting. Twitter wow. now has a, a So a they jumped in your mentions. Button. They signed your DMs? Uh, no, I, my DMs are closed. Interesting. It oh, is, yeah, it that's is right. clear Mary from Mann. being at 49ers camp that Tevin Coleman has the lock of majority of carries and Matt Breed. It's, it's, it's a one-two play out. And yep. I think the estimation is maybe like uh, 65-35 split, yep. somewhere around there. Um, so yes, I think that this has the potential to elevate some work for Matt Breida, but there are also other guys. Rasheem Mostert may get some carries out of this. Uh, with, Kyle Juszczyk, always well, involved in the passing game a little you know, bit. Yeah, you know what, though? Kyle Juszczyk. Stay away. Let but, someone else draft four nutters in my take now. After hearing this, so many people that have been there for a day, that have been there for a couple of days, that have been there for all of training camp are all over the board. With all of these running backs. And doesn't it feel like that Kyle Shanahan, even if the plan going into the season is, you know, sort of ostensibly Tevin Coleman's our starter and Matt Breida's our second man in, couldn't that change by week three? And then couldn't it change again by week seven? I don't seven? think so. I just think his familiarity. Really? I really don't. And I think, uh, and, and I talked to a variety of folks who were mm. all of the same. I, granted, I was only there for a day, but there's a lot of people who've been there every day. And I think they feel pretty consistently. Tevin Coleman, familiarity with Kyle Shanahan. The trust for him and what he can do. I think he is clearly the number one. Breeders I'm number staying eight. away. I'm staying away. See, I think there's value there. Like, I think those concerns are baked into his ADP. He's going as running back 31 in the 10th round. Field. Yeah. yeah. Running back 31 in the 10th round. I'm, I'm Aaron, nervous. It's, you can be nervous all you want. You're nervous, nervous Nelly over here. But first off, I think there's something to be said for the fact that this is a Kyle Shanahan guy. Kyle Shanahan, along with obviously Perhaps John Lynch, has has, I'm sorry? I said perhaps I mentioned that. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm arguing the field. I'm yeah. using Starfania's point over here. That, like, they went out and got this guy, you know, who they had, uh, obviously he had a history with in Atlanta. It was not an aggressive pursuit. At all. Well, the 49ers tried to get Le'Veon Bell. They were flirted there. Like, Tevin Coleman was sitting out in free agency just sort of wafting because he thought he was going to get a huge deal. Right. The 49ers were like, okay. Like, it was not, this was not some like, you know, we've Not seen the 49ers. The 49ers have been aggressive with guys right. previously. And, and this I was think the, there's so, so, there yeah, so they much were aggressive with Jerick McKinnon. Yeah, they were, and, and look what that got them. Yeah. So maybe that's also part of the factor of why they didn't want it. They, yeah. they put a lot of money there. The, the point is, is regardless of whether they were hot and heavy for Tevin Coleman or he He's was their second choice, sure. or if they were, he was second choice after Le'Veon Bell uh, spurned him or whatever, the fact is, is that as Kyle Shanahan sits there and looks at what he's got to work with, there's Tevin Coleman, who he's had success with in Atlanta, and then you've got you've got Matt Breida. Just to the point that Stefania said here, in games last year with fifth, where Matt Breida had more than 15 carries, averaged 3.86 yards per carry. In games in which he had under 15 carries, 6.03 yards per carry. Like he's actually he might be better in a smaller sample size. And so you get into Tevin Coleman here, right? Who, you know, when he's gotten more than 10 carries. In his career, or last year when he got more than 10 carries, averaged over 16 fantasy points per game. To me, I think the the concerns about the time split are baked into his ADP. And going in the 10th round at running back 31, like in the Austin Eckler range, like, you know. Uh, well, that's obviously reacting to Melvin Gordon possibly not. No, uh, there, so. I understand. But my point is, is like, I don't know, running back 31 in the in the 10th round. Give me some Tevin Coleman all day, every day. Where That's do you fine. have him ranked? Where do you have Tevin Coleman ranked? As I said, I have him ranked, what, 30? 30. So I'm not that—I I have him right where he is being drafted. I'm not far down. I'm just saying I am—it's not about the overall value. I just think like, I'm nervous. That's all. There are players that you can still rank and have some confidence in, but also be wary of and just try to avoid for the most part.
Give me somebody that's going in that range that you have more confidence in. There's the ADP right there. Um, kind of, kind of all of those guys, to be honest with you. I David like Miles Montgomery, Sanders more. I like Miles Sanders more. Like David Montgomery, you know, like I like, like, yep, but David Montgomery's going ahead Miles of him. Miles Sanders, I'm good with. Give me somebody um, that's going after him other than Miles Sanders, cause that's craziness. Um, like Austin Eckler, LaShawn McCoy? Sure. I mean, obviously, if, if Melvin Gordon sits out plenty of games or some number of games, yes, LaShawn McCoy, I could make a case for. I know he's not sexy. I anymore. say Tevin Coleman has more fantasy points this year than LaSpoiler McCoy. I just said you can make the case for him, but you know what? Let's play with fire. I think yeah. these are silly. I say LaShawn McCoy has more fantasy points than Tevin Coleman in 2019. Put, Put it, it on, on the board! board. Put it on the board! Anyways, the point Listen, is, I think I just want you rooting for LaShawn McCoy. I'm good with that. I, the Bills are going to be much improved this year. My point is merely that yeah. there are too many cooks in Frank the kitchen. Frank Gore and Devin Singletary. Bit, I'm a little bit nervous. That's all. Um, let's That's move fine. along here to the wide receivers. Because for the wide receivers, I do think that there are a lot of players that have some level of intrigue. The question is, will anybody emerge? First of all, Stefania, again. Just to put one last bow on that. Hang on. I'm sorry. But just last <laughs> one bow. Do we at least agree that if you are drafting a 49ers running back, Tevin Coleman's the guy you want. Right now, that is my take. But yes, okay. I agree. There, I think my problem is, again, there are too many of them, so I'm not going to be drafting them. I understand. Um, I understand Dante you Pettis you love yourself and Marquise Goodwin McCoy. <laughs> are both injured right now, Stefania. What do we know about their injuries as of this time? Um, look, uh, did you say Dante Pettis? Dante Pettis and Marquise. Oh, sorry, Marquise Goodwin, yes. Uh, yeah, Pettis yeah, had been banged yeah, up yeah, earlier yeah, no, on no, training Pettis, camp. That's, it threw me because Pettis is fine right He's now. good now. Yeah, okay. yeah, Marquise Goodwin a little bit banged up. They don't think it's serious. But Marquise Goodwin has been banged up quite a bit um, across the last year. So I think sure. there's some concern about that. Dante Pettis, you know, really listed um, for a lot of folks as the number one receiver. He's a great route runner. Um, but now, you know, excellent punt returner in college. There's some thought that they may use him in that uh, role. Uh, this season, I was able to chat with him a bit, and he said, "Look, he's open for whatever they want him to do." I think then that what's interesting with the 49ers wide receiver core is on different days, apparently there's been the emergence of different receivers. They've got Jalen Hurd now, they've got Debo Samuel now, and there's things that Kyle Shanahan has seen in uh, Debo Samuel and Jalen Hurd in the last couple of days that have really impressed him. So I, I think there's a lot of competition right now amongst the wide receiver group for who's going to be uh, basically arguing for pl- lobbying for playing time. So, Matthew, we use that all, all that information again. Where do you feel the value is? Which one of these wide receivers do you like most? I know that the ADP and where we have them right. ranked suggests for both of us is Dante Pettis. But is the value there? Where do you think the value is? See, I don't think so. See, I, think I, don't, I don't think I'm going to have very much, if at all, Dante Pettis this year. I'm nervous about Dante Pettis. This season, look, I get the speed, and obviously he was great there for a short while. But I feel like you can't really judge much about the 49ers season last year, right? I mean, because I mean, Nick Mullins is at quarterback, right? You know, Marquise Goodwin in and out. They they couldn't run the ball. Like they have nothing. So in theory, with the addition, you know, you've got Kittle, Pettis now, Garoppolo under center. They have, you know, I understand you you don't want to draft one of them, but their running game should be better with Coleman, with Brita, with Mostert, with whoever's out there, right? Eventually McKinnon. And so, um, and then obviously you've got Kittle. They've drafted Debo Samuel. There's just a lot more weapons to me. And then I sit here and look at where Dante Pettis is going. He's going in the same, like literally like right next to D.D. Westbrook and Christian Kirk. Like much prefer both those guys who I think have very clear defined roles in their offense. I think Westbrook is going to be the number one in Jacksonville. And I think there's a chance by the end of the year, Kirk's the number one in Arizona. Larry Fitzgerald is also going there. Speaking of Arizona, like, I, I don't know, like Emmanuel Sanders, who everyone wants to leave for dead, but looks amazing, you know, and has obviously, if he were fully healthy, would be going, you know, 
25 picks earlier is also going around there. So I don't know. I just I am nervous about Dante Pettis in terms of what it would cost to acquire him uh, where he's going. I much prefer D.D. Westbrook, Christian Kirk and some of the other guys in that area. Fair enough. So there's not really a clear-cut wide receiver for the 49ers that you wish to roster this year, and that's kind of, I think that's sort of the tone right now of this offense. Other you, than... Here's a question for you, though. Sorry. Debo, I do think Debo Samuel for Dynasty Leagues and Deeper Leagues is kind of interesting. That's a guy that I really liked coming out of college. 36 overall pick in the draft. They loved him again. Um, a guy that they invested in, obviously, heavily, 36 overall pick. He's an excellent route runner. Um, short area burst is really good. Speed is really good. I'm interested in dynasty. Sure, I mean I'm interested in everybody. Everybody that's that's a top, sure, sure. you know, yeah, top two round pick. I mean, in dynasty drafted higher than Dante Pettis was yeah, five eleven two. two picks, right? Or was Pettis forty two? So same range, right? Yeah. Like early second round for both of them in back to back years. I uh, Samuel, you know, obviously very impressive in college. Um, you know, just feels like they can do more with him. P- Pettis strikes me as more of like a. I feel feels like Samuel could be a little bit more versatile once he gets uh, adjusted to the NFL. I mean, I guess we'll see, but yeah, we'll I don't know. I, I really yeah. like I like Debo Samuel. Oh, my wife is calling. Should I answer my Should I answer the call for my wife? All right, let's Secret go squirrel. to uh, George Kittle here. There's not a whole lot to belabor with George Kittle. Obviously, a player that He's we love awesome. this year, top three tight end in the consensus ranks. But Matthew, you actually have him number two overall, and part of that ties into what you were talking about with with uh, Zach Ertz a couple of days ago. Was you just prefer George Kittle? Yeah, I'm. Con- it's more about it's more anti Ertz, you know. Honestly, just which look, I still have Ertz at three, but there's here, right? nitpicking there, everything like that. But look, I mean, eleven games with thirteen or more fantasy points here, led the NFL in yards after the catch. Like just a physical freak. They've got something special in George Kittle, and I think they know it. Yeah, they feel good about George Kittle. Obviously, everybody does. Big WWE fan, as I said earlier. Can't wait for Sunday. Uh you know, what, you know, he is a great, if you ever get a chance to talk, you, you want to talk about a player that's fun to he's talk fun to in an interview yeah. is George Kittle. And he said he loves to see op- green grass. He's like, I see green grass because I'm like, what is that that yards after the catch? And, you know, he reminded me that he was at Iowa. He came into the league older because he stayed at Iowa through his full college career. And so he came in as a more mature tight end as a result of being coached up in college and, uh, even though it's he, even though he's so young in the league, he's really got a lot of experience. Smart guy. By the way, George Kittle. I think this, this is a stat that Thirsty Kyle found. And I just think this is amazing. He had three different catches last year of seventy plus yards. He was the only player in the NFL with three such catches. Not Tyreek Hill. Not Odell Beckham Jr. Not Juju or Antonio Brown. George Kittle, the only player in the NFL with three different plays of seventy plus yards. Kind of insane to think about a tight end is the guy that did that. He was a rock star. Let's take a couple of the questions out of the uh, out of the Twitter stream, I believe, maybe the YouTube stream, to put a bow on this podcast. Mm-hmm. What do you got, Keith? At to Caleb Tuesday wants to know: Can we trust Allen Robinson to be a wide receiver two this season? Not based off of our ranks, we can't. I mean, no. I think we have Allen Robinson closer to wide receiver twenty five right now, and I think his ADP is probably reflective of exactly that. ADP of thirty, wide receiver thirty is going in the ninth round. I don't uh, in in terms of. I think there will be weeks where he is, but I agree with Field here is that Anthony Miller and Trey Burton and the running backs and, and, you know, uh, Tariq Cohen. There's so, I mean, there's so many weapons there in Chicago that I think they're going to sort of spread it around. Um, so yeah, I mean, Allen Robinson, I think is, is going to be a better NFL player than fantasy, than consistent fantasy player this year. There will be weeks where he's like that, but I don't know week in, week out that he's going to be a top 20 guy. 
All right, one more, Keith. What do you got for us? This is the hard-hitting one um, from at Ray's BTB. What hair products do you use, Field? Me? Uh, well, we have a wonderful hair and makeup staff here at ESPN. <laughs> so mostly I just use uh, Old Spice Matte. It's just like, you know, it's like the pomade, right? Sure. It's you. Are you familiar with this product? <laughs> <laughs> well, with I, confidence. Yeah, yeah sure. I, yeah, of course I am because yeah. I see you get it as I oh, sit there. Okay. As I sit gotcha. there, jealously looking at you, like yeah. you know, longingly looking at your uh, your luscious locks. Why? Thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. Most importantly, you got to blow dry your hair. You got to do that every once in a while. Wait, what? I learned that the other day at the barbershop. The guy was like, "Listen, this is what you got to do. You got to blow dry it first, and then you put the product in, and the blow drying gives it the volume." That makes it look, I mean, dude, wow. Daniel, Daniel nailed it. There was not a blow dryer in the ESPN gym for a while, for like a long time. The it was not functioning. When? Uh, no, I didn't request you it, but the UAA fired up. That was a bury, that was a bury the lead situation. We thought it was about the product and the product is actually the hair dryer. It's just yeah. air. Yeah. See, yeah. Daniel knows. Like you, yeah, any barber will tell you that. I, I don't know how often you go to the barber. By the way, our poll results from yesterday, the people agree with you, Field Yates. They do not believe 66% of the people agree with you that David Montgomery will not finish ahead of Tariq Cohen by 10 or more spots uh, at the running back position. Two-thirds of our listeners are geniuses. Over the weekend, you're going to watch more preseason football. But remember, on Monday, we come back with more Double Trouble, I believe, and any other news that might take place over the next 48 or so hours. Plus, the Fantasy Football Marathon begins on Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Mm-hmm. I would tell you where to watch it, but the answer is everywhere. It is going to be all over your airwaves, all over the ESPN app, all over every single medium you could possibly imagine. In the meantime, Stefania is heading off to Hawaii for the weekend. Matthew, I don't know where you're going. We'll talk to you guys on Monday. Peace out! You're in the 06010. Never gonna hustle in case you didn't know. Matthew Berry, TMR. You, 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 you guys go ahead. Give me grief for being on Sports Center for 45 seconds. I think you could do better than me because I don't think you could. Jail you're, you're, you're terrible at hashtag improv. At, 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 at field gate. At field gate. Stefania your bell. Oh, don't let Barry convert you. Secret squirrel Daniel Dow. Make, 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 make it happen. Mediocre fantasy advice. You're older than people realize. That never stops. Loyal 06010 Geico presents Left Brain versus Right Brain. I've decided it's a sensible decision to switch to Geico. Okay, I feel you. We could save ourselves hundreds of dollars a year on car insurance. Oh, and then airbrush a Pegasus on the side of our hatchback. No, we will not airbrush a Pegasus on the side of our hatchback. We will reinvest that savings in a high-yield investment like a mutual fund. Oh, a Pegasus riding a jet ski playing a bass guitar. I cannot believe we share the same medulla. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more.